0: But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. So he called them to himself and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But has an end, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation, because they said, he has an unclean spirit. Well, let us pray. Father, bless this, your word. We're thankful for it. We know it is your word. And I pray that as uh, we look at it and try to think through it a little bit today, that you'll give guidance and wisdom, clarity of thought. Help me, Lord, to say only the things I should and to say nothing I ought not. Uh, Help me to make this plain and simple and clear. And I pray you'll just speak to us. And I pray especially, Father, if there's even one here today who wonders whether or not this is something that might apply to them. Uh, I pray you'll help them to see clearly and to know what to do about that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we read several verses there, but the passage I want us to concentrate on is verses 28 through 30. And before I go any further, am I the only one who hears a ring in the room? Am I, am I the only one hearing that? Is it in my brain? Is anybody in the room? You're all looking at me completely blankly. I, I think it's ringing, brother, regardless of what they say. That better? Oh, that's better, yeah. Okay, so I want us to look at at Mark chapter 3, verses 28 through uh, 30. That's our text for today. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation because they said he has an unclean spirit. In this passage, Jesus made two statements that I think that we need to consider here today. He stated, first of all, that all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they utter. In other words, I think he is there describing the amazing extent of God's grace. All sins forgiven. He also said, he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal Condemnation. So I think he also describes there the extent of God's justice. I see both of those here. He said there was nothing unforgivable. All sins will be forgiven. But then he added an exception. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. That's a very strong word. Never, never has forgiveness. And so how do we reconcile these two statements? And what is this sin? that uh, there is no forgiveness for this sin that will never be forgiven, this thing that we have come to call the unpardonable or the unforgivable sin. Well, two different uh, things uh, are mentioned here, and so let's just break it up that way. Let's look at, first of all, his first statement, All sins shall be forgiven, the sons of men. All sins shall be forgiven. It's an interesting statement. Because if we think about it, there's an awful lot of activities and an awful lot of behaviors that we're aware of, and probably we're aware of even in our own lives, that we know the Bible says are sinful. Right? We know there's a lot of different things that Scripture says are sin. But are they the unpardonable sin? All kinds of things. How about lying, for example? We know that Scripture says very plainly, you know, thou shalt not bear false witness. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And certainly there's other other Scriptures we could look at is lying the unforgivable sin Peter lied when he said he didn't know who Christ was what about murder again the commandment is clear we would all think murder is a horrible thing but the commandment is clear thou shalt do no murder the the, uh, uh, the commandments say David after man, uh, the man after God's own heart committed murder he uh, committed adultery with uh, Bathsheba and then to cover up his sin he committed murder. Saul of Tarsus was at least complicit in the murder of Stephen, if not directly responsible. What about adultery? I shall not commit adultery. Clear commandment. Will committing adultery send a person to hell? Is committing adultery the unforgivable sin? Again, we mentioned David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And yet, when we go to Hebrews chapter 11, we see his name mentioned in the roll call of the heroes of faith. Hebrews eleven thirty-two. 32, what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. The woman caught in adultery was obviously guilty of the sin of adultery. Caught in the very act, the Scriptures say, and yet notice Jesus' words. He said, neither do I condemn you. What about Stealing. It's another activity that is prohibited in the Ten Commandments. You will not steal. And yet, the thief on the cross obviously was guilty of this sin. Just by very definition. The fact that he was referred to as a thief. And yet Jesus said to him, This day you will be with me in paradise. The prodigal son was guilty of riotous living. And in spite of that sinful lifestyle, Jesus used him as an illustration of the greatness of God's forgiveness. Gossip is one of those you know, acceptable sins. One of those sins that we Christians seem to think is okay. Acceptable to us, maybe it's certainly not to God, but is that the unforgivable sin? I told you one time about the woman who told her, Pastor, Pastor, my talent is speaking my mind. To which he replied, Sister, I'm sure that's one talent the Lord wouldn't mind if you buried. Or about the other sister who stepped forward during an invitation to confess the sin of gossip in her life, and she whispered in the pastor's ear... Pastor, I'd like to lay my tongue on the altar. And he whispered back, Sister, the altar's only 50 feet long. See, we laugh about gossip, but gossip's a sin. Is it the unforgivable sin? What about hatred? Our world is seething with hatred right now. Have you noticed? I don't know if you turn on your TV, you can't help but see it. It's everywhere. Racial hatred is just amok. What of selfishness, a sin that 99.999% of American Christians are guilty of? We're all selfish to a degree. Or what about pride, the sin that we all 100% struggle with, seemingly 100% of the time? Are any of those sins the unforgivable sin or, or any other that we could think of? That's just a few. I'm sure you can probably think of some others. And I'd say No. Because Jesus' words are pretty clear here, aren't they? All sins shall be forgiven the sons of men. What a glorious truth that is. Think about that. If any of those things are things you wrestle with, he's saying all sins shall be forgiven the sons of men. Now, I don't want us to twist that. I don't want us to take that too far and and think for a minute that what Jesus is doing there is providing a loophole for sin. Those things are sin. Clearly taught in Scripture that we ought to uh, avoid them. Uh, They're displeasing to God. We should try to flee them in our lives, confess them should they be present. But are they unpardonable sin? Committing something like that, will it send you to hell? The answer is no. All sins shall be forgiven, the sons of men. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. The extent of God's grace. But, wait a minute, there is that other statement. There is that other statement. All sins will be forgiven, but one. He clarifies, there is one that won't be forgiven ever. There is an unforgivable sin. There is an unpardonable sin. So what is that? He said, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. He said there is an exception. One exception and one alone to his earlier statement, and that is he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit. That's the exception. He who commits that sin never has forgiveness. I, I keep pausing on that phrase, but what a powerful phrase. Never has forgiveness. So it would be us then to know exactly what that sin is, wouldn't it? To understand it and to avoid it, to make sure that it's not something that is true in our life. So let's start by defining what the word is, that word blaspheme. The word blaspheme means to speak evil of, to revile, or to rail upon. But it's a little bit more uh, more narrow than that. Vine, in his complete expository dictionary of Old and New Testament words, how's that for a title? He says it is it is it is that it is it is what I just said. But it is confined to speech defamatory of the divine majesty. In other words, blasphemy is not me speaking evil of you. It's not me railing upon you, and it's not me uh, speaking uh, you know vile things about you or reviling you. It is speaking evil of, reviling or railing upon God Himself. That's blasphemy. Or as Jesus plainly said in the text, against the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean in a practical sense? How do we do that? How does one commit that sin? What thing or things might I do that would constitute this sin of blaspheming against the Holy Spirit? Well, I want you to notice that Jesus spoke these words directly in response to the behavior and attitude of the scribes. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but both the parable he shared in verses 23 through 27 and we, we, didn't, we won't look at that this morning, but that parable and the statement concerning the unpardonable sin in verses 28 and 29 were spoken in response to what happened in verse 22. So if you look at verse 22, the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said he heals Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. That's what he was dealing with. That's what he was addressing, and that's why he said the things that he said. That action, and if it's not clear enough, if you don't understand that's exactly why he said what he said, notice that Mark made it very clear in verse number 30. Verse number 30, because they said he has an unclean spirit. Mark made it play. We understood his motivation. So whatever this unpardonable sin is, this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, it was something these men were committing. And I would suggest to you it's really very simple. It's really very simple. I think the unpardonable sin is, at its core, unbelief. Unbelief. You are presented with the truth about Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts you of its validity, and you say No. You refuse it, and you won't believe. That is exactly what the scribes were doing in verse number 22. The scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. They didn't believe. They were unconvinced even by his miracles. They simply refused to believe. And we've we've probably all experienced folks like this. Many people just simply won't believe. And therefore I suggest they are guilty of the unpardonable, Sin. Felix was an example of such in our New Testament. Acts chapter 24, verse 25. As Paul reasoned about righteousness, self control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call you. He didn't believe. Presented with the evidence, said no. Agrippa was another example. Agrippa said to Paul, Acts chapter 26, verse 28, Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. But he wasn't persuaded. And this isn't the game of horseshoes. Almost was not good enough. He didn't believe. He didn't believe. I read a story. It was presented as a true story. You never know about these things. But I read a story that describes this unbelief. It supposedly took place in 1938. In 1938, a man with a home on the south shore of Long Island ordered himself a barometer. He'd been saving for a long time for this most expensive barometer that they're ever, I guess, made by Abercrombie & Fitch, the famous New York City sporting goods store. The uh, barometer arrived on September 21st of 1938. Anybody know where this story's going now? September 21st of 1938. He proudly hung it on the back porch. Half an hour later, he walked out to look at it, and he was disgusted to note that the needle was stuck on hurricanes. And so he went running back into the house and he got a piece of paper and he wrote a nasty letter to Abercrombie and Fitch demanding a new letter and he ran off to the post office to post the letter and when he came back, the barometer was gone. And so was the house. Because on September 21st, 1938, they had the worst hurricane to ever hit Long Island. You know what that's an illustration of to me? It's an illustration that unbelief does not change the truth. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Truth is truth. If the barometer says, Hurricane, there's going to be a hurricane. We live in a culture that teaches there is no truth. The truth is what you want it to be. What you decide in your own heart, what is true for you, is not necessarily what is true for me. That's everywhere. It's taught to our kids in public school. It's everywhere. You know the Bible has something to say about that. You know what it has to say about that? It says that's bunk. It says that's ridiculous. It says that is an error, that is hogwash, that is a lie. We've all seen that bumper sticker, God says it, I believe it, that settles it. If you have that bumper sticker on your car, I wish you'd take it off, because it's wrong. It's not true. It doesn't matter whether you believe it. If God said it, it is true. It is true whether you believe it or not. You see, these scribes chose not to believe in Jesus. And at its core, I think that's what the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is. They were presented with the evidence, they were convicted of its truth, and they simply refused to believe it. They actually mocked rather than believe. They mocked his ability to, uh, to save. Rather than believe he was the Son of God, they compared him mockingly to the enemy of God. They compared him to Satan. He was Beelzebub, they said. By the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. And and you've probably known somebody like this, too, who was so steeped in unbelief that they actually mocked the notion of God. They actually made fun of it. We probably all have people like that that we've come in contact with. In, In the Old Testament, there was Sennacherib. Sennacherib is an illustration of this as he mocked God's ability to deliver Hezekiah and the Jews. He said to them, Who was there among the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people from my hand, that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now, therefore, don't let Hezekiah deceive you or persuade you like this, and don't believe him. For no god of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people from my hand or the hand of my fathers. How much less will your God deliver you from my hand? Sennacherib mocked their belief in God because he didn't believe himself. So the unpardonable sin is, I believe, at its core, unbelief, mockery of the truth, refusal of the gift of salvation. Many years ago, I was witnessing to a, to a man at his doorstep. I think, I think it was part of the bus ministry that I was involved with uh, many, many years ago where we would go door to door and share the gospel with people and try to get them to come to church. This particular man stood in his doorway and told me, and told me in no uncertain terms. He was not interested in what I had to say. And uh, me, being young... And stupid and zealous in my faith, I pushed and pressed. As I recall, I might have even stuck my foot in his door so he couldn't close the door. I seem to have that memory in my brain. But what I do remember is him coming out of that door like a bullet and getting his face about this close to mine and saying, I said I was not interested. Just bit off the words. And I walked away marveling. I walked away thinking, how is it possible someone would refuse such an offer how do people say no to jesus christ how, how, how do you refuse to believe the truth that brings forgiveness of all sins eternal life and hope and joy but many do and in so doing they commit the unpardonable sin so i think it's simple i really do i there's been all kinds of things written about what is the unpardonable sin and you may have read some other things but it is really it's really quite simple The unpardonable sin is the sin of rejecting Jesus. One man stated it like this. He said, the unforgivable sin is the sin of rejecting forgiveness. And so it is. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation because they said he has an unclean spirit. Now consider one last thing about this topic, and and then we'll be done, because this is important. Perhaps this morning you're committing the unpardonable sin. Perhaps you don't believe, and therefore reject the Lord Jesus Christ. If that is you, then yes, you are committing the sin that Jesus said never has forgiveness. But, and this is a huge but, it is only unpardonable. It is only unforgivable if you remain in that state until the Lord calls you home. The person that dies in unbelief, that dies rejecting Jesus Christ, to the very end commits the unpardonable sin and will never be forgiven. You can have any other sin in your life when you die. And if you believe, you're in. You're saved. You're going to glory. You're going to heaven. You're forgiven. You can die a liar. But if you're a believer, you're all right. You're forgiven. You can die with murder or pride or lust or gossip or thievery or any other sin in your life. And if you die believing, all that will be forgiven. But if you die in unbelief, if you die in unbelief, there is no forgiveness, never forgiveness for you. Many have turned. Many have turned from unbelief to belief and been rescued from this danger. Many have been living a life where they were committing the unforgivable sin. And they became believers. And they're no longer committing that sin. Regardless how long you might have not believed, you can start believing right now. And it's no longer a concern for you. Saul of Tarsus was in the midst of committing the unforgivable sin. You may recall. He didn't believe. He was mocking. He was persecuting those who did believe. He was rejecting the conviction of the Holy Spirit so much that Jesus said to him, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. He'd been working in his life. And had he died in that state of unbelief, he would have died committing the unforgivable, unpardonable sin, the sin that has never forgiveness And he would be in hell today, but he didn't. He didn't continue in that state. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he believed. And then he was no longer committing the unpardonable sin. And when we get to heaven, guess what? We're going to find him there. You have no guarantee of another minute. Not another minute. We all know that. We've all seen that so much in our lives. And the older we get, the more we know it's true. There is no guarantee that you will walk out of this room alive There is no guarantee that you will finish this day alive. Don't risk dying in unbelief. Don't commit the unpardonable sin. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ before it's too late. Well, let us pray. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for this warning from our Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful, Lord, that we we have this clear teaching that there is something that we can do that is never going to be forgiven. It is such a simple thing. Lord, I pray that we would all look at our our own hearts, our own lives. I pray we'd examine ourselves today, whether we be in the faith. Father, there may be some here today who have never taken the step of saying, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm lost. I have never asked you to save my soul, but I'm asking right now.